Greetings everyone and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay and today we're going to finish off Revelation chapter number 13 dealing with the second beast with a little bit of an overview of what we discussed yesterday from the first beast. So without any further ado, let's get into this thing. Father, we are grateful for that blessing today. It is our time, Lord, where we're able to Feast upon the riches of your word. We pray that you will give our hearts opportunity to just be with you, Lord, throughout a whole day of whatever insanity we had to go through and how busy we might have been, we could take this time. Even if we have to seize it by, by, by force, as it was in our own lives, that we could take this time and separate it unto you so that we may worship you and praise you and, and just follow you in this day. We'll give you thanks and praise for the victory you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's the way it is sometimes, guys. We we have to claw, we have to scratch, we have to fight, we have to bite to be able to separate our hearts from, from daily living in order to be able to get together with God, to get into the things of God and God's Word. But believe me, it's worth it. It's worth it to do that every day. So, Having said that, we're in verse number 11 to start our day with today. We're going to read through our section of Scripture before we go through our overview. The Scripture goes forward to say in verse number 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as should not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small, great, rich, and poor, free, and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Well, amen. What a thrill to find this second beast, which is wholly unlike the first beast, only in manner of where he comes from and how he portrays himself. Now, the manner of the first beast, as you recall in verse number one, he, he saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, rising up is, is in position of leadership. He, he comes from among the nations of the world. The sea is representative of the nations of the world. Uh, like we were saying yesterday, it's very similar to the point that, that uh, the floods of the water that come out of Satan's mouth, of course, Satan taking Jesus up onto the highest pinnacle 
of the earth that he could take him to and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and says these all belong to me therefore we understand in this connection that the sea is represented in this time as the nations uh, all belong as the kingdoms of of satan as those being lost and not believing in the lord jesus christ as their savior and so we see that this one principal person is going to rise from the multitude of the unbelievers that that will be on the earth in that day, and a crown will be given him, as we see in Revelation chapter number 6, as the white horse rider comes, a crown will be given unto him by the nations, and he will go forth across the globe conquering and to conquer his weapon of choice, the fiery darts. Now, just like Satan, he uses this this particular Antichrist is going to use a bow. He's not going to get intimate with his target. He's not going to get close to his target. He's going to go from far away so that he can be he cannot be seen when the damage is done. And of course, we understand that that he is going to be very bold, very brazen. We were able to see the different the the distinctions that were written in Daniel chapter number seven at the end of our session yesterday, and how powerfully these two accounts connect together to deal with that little horn. And each of the four beasts that you see that Daniel marks are are four different kingdoms dealing with four different kings. And what you'll find in Revelation 13 is that all four of those kingdoms, as it starts with Babylon and it goes to the Medo-Persian kingdom and then to Greece and finally to the to the nastiest beast of all with the teeth that were iron were, were, was recognized as Rome. But this particular beast that we see in Revelation 13 will be an a compilation of all four of those kingdoms. This is this is as revealed in the number of the false prophet today is six hundred and sixty six. Is number six is the number of man, and and that number in itself represents being uh, incomplete, represents being being faulty or or not not full. And we're going to find out that that it, anytime something's used in triplicate, it, it enforces the point. Like what we talked about in Sunday school about close to a month back, we, we talked about the fact that, that God, is when, when he is known by holiness, the angels, they proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And and the point being is that His holiness is at a state of perfection that doesn't get any better than God. Amen. And so we find that, that with this number of man being just complete failure, being complete, completely incomplete, uh, it, it, that we discovered that, that that it is written in triplicate form, and so we we grasp this concept that this this one leader is going to be the absolute worst of all of all of the rest of mankind. He's going to be one that is is just prepared for battle, and with with his red horse rider and with his black horse rider, he's going to just go forth conquering and to conquer, as is revealed in Revelation chapter 6. 
And of course, the world around them, as we see in verse number four, the world around them is going to worship not only the dragon that gave beast the power and and healed that mortal wound, which we talked about yesterday, is is not the same thing as is dying like Jesus died, literally had a spear shoved in his side and he bled out right there on the cross. That Jesus died and for three days was was encased in that tomb in that cleft of the rock and that he would rise on the third day from that stone being rolled away that couldn't have been done by any easy feat of the ladies or of of any given three or four of the men that that would have normally gone to sabotage the tomb and that that tomb had a seal that was set upon it so that it couldn't be opened even any easier we understand that that uh, Jesus rose, and so the the very power of God is making known that that death for three days, as compared to this Antichrist who has a mortal wound. It doesn't say that he died, and that's the point. You can you can have a mortal mortal wound, but it isn't a fatal wound. It, fatal wounds you can't return from, such as a spear in the side of Jesus, and such as a a crucifixion of of his magnitude. You're not coming back from that. It's a fatal wound. But a mortal wound is one that takes you to the brink of death, but you can survive. And that's exactly what happens with this Antichrist. Is nobody's bringing him from death back to life. They're just taking him from the point of dying up to resurrection. And lots of people uh, every day, especially if you're living in Chicago or you're living in L.A. and some of these cities that have this insane murder rates that, that are happening, lots of people every day are mortally wounded. Lots of people show up at the hospitals and they might have to paddle them to get their heart going again. They, they might have have uh, technically died for, for a minute or two before they get them revived and start doing surgeries to get them healthy. But, but they, that was a mortal wound because they didn't die. They, they were able to be revived. And that's exactly what's going to happen. But Jesus... In contrast to this Antichrist who's going to fake death, so to speak, Jesus was gone three days. <laughs> I mean, it was known that he was gone. Everybody knew. And then he rose again. So there's a lot of differences. But understand that these people, and, and this is mostly dealing, by the way, in Revelation chapter 13, and the people that are worshiping this beast, it's mostly dealing with uh, Orthodox Judaism. Because these guys are going are gonna to give this, this dude a crown, and they're going to worship him as their Messiah. Even though he's he's the Antichrist, is what we call him. He's a false messiah. He's going to be worshipped by the, the Jewish faith as being the true messiah. And he's going to conquer the way that they expect a messiah to conquer. He's going to do the things they expect a messiah to do. And they're going to wholly give their allegiance unto him. 
And now we come to the second beast we're going to be talking about today. And and so the scripture reveals the second beast, not as coming out of the sea like the first beast would be representative of coming out of the nations, but this beast would be one that is coming up out of the earth. And and so that we find that, that this guy is going to come from a different direction. And and one of the things I was thinking about when I when I was paying attention to the point where where the first beast would come from the sea and the second beast would come from the earth, as I thought about Revelation chapter number ten, when you meet Jesus as that mighty angel holding that scroll in his hand, when you see him come down and he says that time is no more. You see him standing on two locations. One foot is going to be on the sea and the other foot is going to be on the land. And so as I saw that and I saw where these beasts, these false entities that come to rule the world in the place of that old dragon... When I saw Jesus standing there in fullness of authority with the scroll in his hand that he had given to, to John to eat, and I, and I heard his proclamation that the destruction of these entities will no longer be withheld and that the fullness of God's wrath will, will, was time to come, I also see that under his feet rests the the sea or that beast which would come from the sea as being the Antichrist who was trying to take his authority and one foot would be upon the land which would recognize this this false prophet who who would both find themselves in Revelation chapter number 19, snatched up by Jesus and cast alive into the lake of fire. These two particular people, aside from the rest of the world around them that is deceived by them, and that is indeed drawn into hell because of their rejection of of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these two individuals, above and beyond all the rest of the world, are personally escorted by the Son of God into the lake of fire. Their their judgment is sealed upon the day that Jesus returns. There is no white throne judgment for these two. There is no no uh, passing go and collecting 200, so to speak. They, they are cast alive into the lake of fire, and their judgment is that swift and that sure. And he comes down and he says that that beast coming up out of the earth, and, it, and another reason why you'll find the religious side of, of the kingdom coming up out of the earth is because of the nature of how we are called to be uh, not only the light of the world, but the salt, right? We're called the salt of the earth. Uh, we are those elements in the earth that are meant to go forth for the kingdom of God and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim salvation to the whole world. And so it's got to be done from a from a position of being earthy. Whereas the political realm, whereas the Antichrist is going to rise up from the sea. So we understand that the difference between rising up from the nations and, and being a part of all the nations. So this false prophet is going to be a part of the earth, which is putting himself as a part of all the nations, whereas the Antichrist is going to rise up from the sea, which is going to be separate from the nations, a leader separate from them. And he had two horns like a lamb, 
So we already get the idea of how this false religion is going to go. He's got two horns like a lamb, so we're going to see this religion as one of peace. We're going to see this religion as one that is good, this one that is comforting. As Jesus is recognized as the lamb, we're going to see that, that this one's going to have two horns like a lamb, and he's going to speak like a dragon. Now, in any legends that you might be able to find where dragons are, are prevalent, such as our medieval legends and King Arthur's court, such as much of the Asiatic uh, legends of dealing with dragons, is that they weren't dreadful beasts that, that were frightening, especially in, in, in Chinese or Japanese lore or Asiatic lore. Uh, they're actually very wise, very kind, very, very helpful, the, these concepts of dragons would be. And so when you, when you consider the way that Satan makes himself out to be, as recognized in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, that Satan is, well, he makes himself out to be an angel of light. Instead of the prince of darkness, he makes himself out to be an angel of light. Being a prince of darkness would cause people to be afraid of you, would cause people to pull back from you and not want to be around you or to be considered uh, as as connected to you. But if you're an angel of light, well, everybody wants to be with an angel of light because angels of light are, are uh, you know, are godly, right? So Satan masks himself in his former estate as, as an angel of light wherein his ministers, like you're finding this false prophet, will mask themselves like a lamb and speak like a dragon, so they will mask themselves as ministers of righteousness. And Paul said, it's no surprise that they do this. The design of Satan is to draw you away from God. And as has always been said, you, you draw more flies with honey than, than anything else, right? So the issue is, is that they're going to be pouring out that honey from their lips to, to cause a people to be drawn away from God. And Satan doesn't have to hurt you. He doesn't have to threaten you. He doesn't have to coerce you and, 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 and fight against you. All he has to do is be so sweet that you're drawn to him and separated from God. And, and, and your decision to, to walk away from God, your decision to follow Satan is enough to destroy you. It's enough to conquer you and, and, and erase you. And so you understand that, that, that Satan isn't going to be coming at you like all of these different films threatening you and screaming at you and trying to claw at you and, and, and gnash up his teeth upon you. He's actually going to slide up beside you as someone very familiar to you. He's going to he's going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear and and lull you away from God because all he's got to do is keep you from trusting in Jesus. All he's got to do is keep you from following Christ. The rest of it is taken care of by the the nature of your rebellion. And so this beast is indeed going to have the horns like a lamb. He's going to be strong like Jesus, and he's going to speak like a dragon. He's going to be slick tongue like, like his father the devil. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. 
And, and so this, this person is going to be very much, very powerful in his presence, but he's not going to be as threatening or as frightening as the first beast is going to be. Remember, he's got the horns like a lamb and he speaks like a dragon, but in his presence, he's going to be very much a similar entity to the first beast. And in verse 12, his, his purpose is to cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the, the, what the political realm of the secular kingdom cannot do and that people are, are created in the image of God and they, they thirst for religious connection, regardless of if they say they're not religious people, they still believe in evolution which is the greatest man-made religion that ever existed. So we understand that, that even at their core of desiring to be apart from any religion and secular, they still need something to worship, even if it's that secularity that they worship. They need something to worship. So this false prophet is going to come on the scene and he's going to glorify the, the, the first beast. He's going to point people to a worship of the first beast. And that's where your, your one world religion is going to come to pass. And that first beast being recognized as Messiah before the Jews and before the, the Muslims, a lot of people are going to wrap their heart around him being the Messiah is because this false prophet is going to come forth proclaiming great things, doing great signs and wonders, and creating this great image just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Remember with Daniel uh, and his, his three friends, Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, we know them, most people know them anyways, as, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Nevertheless, those three friends that he had, they cast into that fiery furnace because they would not bow down and worship the image that was created by Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, that image was what close to 90 feet tall. And in the pride of Nebuchadnezzar desiring people to, to bow down before him, as was put in his heart by his advisors. Now, this is the point behind the the Antichrist and the false prophet is that the people will still be in faction. The people will still be at war against one another. There will still be rumors of wars. They'll still be fighting no matter how hard the red horse rider goes against the 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 kingdoms of the world no matter what the black horse rider does there's always going to be dissension because a people are are not political at their nature a people are religious at their nature and so we're going to find that that there is going to be this dissension until for a period this false prophet comes up on the scene and starts drawing people into a worship of the Antichrist, and then uh, you're going to have this this beautiful moment where 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 uh, what is that old time movie with Dorothy in Kansas? Amen. I, uh, the Wizard of Oz. You're going to find that that Oz. Remember, he was just this little pipsqueak of a guy but he had built this statue and all this smoke coming out of his mouth and and he's he's very threatening and he's very frightening 
But then Toto, the dog, he, he just takes off running around the corner, and 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 Dorothy looks, and she's this. The scene doesn't seem right. The dog going around the back there. So she finally discovers that that this great Oz is really just a pipsqueak inside of the machine that was running this whole thing. And that's exactly what this statue, this great statue is going to be like. So that, that this Antichrist, as he, or not the Antichrist, but the false prophet rather, in verse number 13, as he performs his great signs, that even he would make fire come down from heaven on, on the earth in sight of men, and that he would deceive the people on the earth, by the way, the big point, he deceives those who dwell on the earth is a very power that Satan gives is deception. Their eyes aren't open, they're wide shut. By the signs that he's granted to do in the sight of the beast, in verse number 14, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded with the sword and lives. The Antichrist has his great image made and he gives breath to this image of the beast. And of course, this is a lot like what I was telling you about as concerning the Wizard of Oz. This thing is going to be an animatronic. There, This thing is not going to have actual life imparted to it, for the devil cannot give life. Only God is creator of life. But the devil can imitate life. And so all of the things that we have currently been able to make in our modern society of animatronics, you see those movies like Jurassic Park where we have full full operational dinosaurs. And, and you, you'll, you'll find a lot of these different things we've seen created throughout the years that that would seemingly have life, but they don't have life. It's artificial well, the breath that is going to be given to the image of this beast is going to be artificial. It's not going to be real. If the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as should not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Of course, the image of the beast as it is given, quote, quote, power to speak will then cause people to follow his orders because we're going to be so enthralled and amazed that this thing is is been given life and is able to speak that we're going to obey it just out of the simple precept that one we've never seen anything like it and it must be must be true and two we're really in our nature especially apart from god desiring to destroy something so it's telling us to go do something that, that most of mankind wants to do anyway so it's going to be an easy task to deceive man the scripture in verse number 16 goes on to say he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, exciting point, the, the mark of God is revealed in Revelation chapter 7 with 144,000 as they are sealed before the wrath of God begins with the four winds blowing that we talked about just a couple of days ago. That is in the forehead, period. He sealed them in the forehead with the name of their God, period. And that, that was that. But here, this, this mark is either going to be received in the right hand or in the forehead. The purpose of this mark is, is a control measure for mankind. Now, 
the the means by which this antichrist is going to be able to rule over the world of course by the black horse rider and by the red horse rider but alongside with this false prophet so the means by which they'll be able to control the world is one that is economic at its core as the religion that will be born from this false prophet is going to be a humanistic religion and it is going to be be very much a materialistic uh, faith we see that without the mark of the beast, without this mark in their right hand or in their forehead, they're not going to be able to buy. They're not going to be able to sell. And so the the point is, is that, that if you don't have this mark, essentially you're going to starve to death. You're, you're, you're going to go broke. Everything is going to be confiscated. It's kind of like what happens in the Middle East right now when, when you're Christians and you, you come home and you see the, the Arabic letter N written on your door. This Arabic letter N is, is the, the proclamation that the Muslims in the community know you as Nasara or they know you as a Nazarene or one who follows Jesus of Nazareth. And this, this Arabic letter N is a threat to you, which is a proclamation that you have 48 hours to be able to pay a, a ridiculously absorbent tax for, for being able to stay in your home, or you better get out of Dodge because we'll come and we'll kill your whole family. Now, this is a mark that that certainly would be a threatening the the people of of Christianity as marking them separate from the rest of the society that would be muslim so as to be able to keep you from being able to buy sell or trade in that community well this is very similar to what's going to happen by this false prophet as he seeks out those saints that would be obedient to the message of that 144,000. Now, there's nothing that, that they can do against that 144,000 during the period of their time of ministry, but those who come to faith in the message of the 144,000, which will be slaughtered by the millions, as recognized by the fifth seal in Revelation chapter number six, they can be threatened and they will be the ones who refuse this mark and they will be the ones easily discovered and easily snuffed off this earth. So it says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name. This, this is important. Verse number 17, because we always, we go back to this, this number, 666, and fair enough, that's, that's one of the markings in that. But look at what it says in verse number 17, that no one may buy or sell except one has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So I've often looked over this and had a curiosity in my own soul because this is telling you, whereas with God, it is his name. But with this beast, it is the mark, which is the name of the beast or 
the number of his name. Now, is that all one one point of one thing, or are there two different ways in which you're marked, either by his name or by his number, or is the name his number? Uh, this is a point that is exciting to to consider, and as many times as I've done Revelation, I've, I've considered it in many different ways, and it's one of those points where we, we certainly know about the number. As far as the name is concerned, there is the possibility, but the reality is, is that you will be marked. How that happens in the, in the manner or the way in which it's going to happen, I really couldn't tell you. But I do know that without this mark, and my my best guesstimation will be a tattoo, which I think is funny because a lot of people, the tattoos have become so, so acceptable in society that people are decorating their bodies with all this, this quote-unquote Christian art when they're carving themselves up and what God has specifically told them not to do. So even in the getting of all of these different tattoos, thinking, well, this is just cool. Well, this is just art. You know, I'm just I'm just proclaiming my faith on my skin. This is cool. But we fail to realize that the scripture tells us that this body is a temple to the holy God and it's not to be carved up. It's not to be marked up. It's it's not to be damaged like that. You say, well, you got your opinions, and 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 that's fine, but but I disagree. Well, and praise God. And if you're right, then nothing I'm saying really matters is concerning getting all marked up like that. But if I'm right, you're in trouble. You might want to think about that, because <laughs> the trouble that you're in is eternal. It's it's not. It's not a, a momentary thing. Lest you get right with God today and you repent, you'd be in trouble for eternity. And he says he says about these marks, rather the number of his name or rather the, the mark of the beast, he says here is wisdom. He says, let him calculate, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of of a man. Of course, we understand the number of a man. This is where where the concept of numbers and, and their meaning really have significance in the Hebrew faith. And keeping in mind that John, of course, is, is Hebrew and that he's in the hall of the Hebrews. I mean, that that's the whole point that, uh, that he's in the throne room of God. He's in the hall of the Hebrews, so to speak. And so these numbers... John would readily understand it. John would readily grasp this because he understands what numbers mean. He understands the significance of everything that God has made, including letters, including numbers. So so to John, this, this was as clear as a bell what was trying to be said here. And as John would write this to try and convey this meaning to us, he is conveying this meaning as clear as a bell to the people who would have been contemporary to him to understand the things that he understood in the day that he wrote. But when we look at our period of time, more than 3,000 years separated from these events, we we not understanding, especially from a, a Western culture, which is a more Roman, a Greco-Roman uh, mindset and culture, we couldn't we couldn't understand the numbers if they jumped off the page and spoke to us and told us what they meant. 
we, we wouldn't grasp these concepts because we don't have a Hebrew background. We, we have a Latin background. We have a Greek background, but we don't have a Hebrew background. And that's exactly what is being conveyed at this point. Is that the number of this beast is the number of a man and his number is multiplied by three. And so that you would have six, six, six. Now, we, we often get this idea that it's going to be some kind of tattoo that would have three sixes in it. Kind of like a Mobius. Those, those uh, designs where, where people have, have shown that, oh, well, it's three sixes connected together to make this thing. And I, I can make anything be what I want it to be if I looked at it hard enough and, and added to it to draw a design out of it. But nevertheless, the concept of this Mobius, you're walking around with this triangular Mobius on you that has three sixes on it, rather in your hand or in your forehead, so that you, you can buy or sell or trade. And and, and we understand that, that it is the number of man. The number of man is the number six. But in this calculation that you have 666, that it be the multiplier of that which is in three, which would recognize the complete inhumanity, the complete corruption of this person. <laughs> and I just think that this is interesting. So now we have a, a clear as mud picture of these two beasts, the Antichrist that is to come in the world uh, that a crown would be given to him, that he would begin to establish the the secular kingdom, that, that he would rule in this one world government that would be secured by the red horse rider and governed by the black horse rider in the commodities and trades. We're going to have the false prophet rise up in service with the Antichrist so that he, the Antichrist, will be worshipped the false prophet will, will bring forth great signs and miracles and cause the world that is at war with God to follow and to obey and to worship in, in such a fashion that the people will be very, very adamant to follow the, the false prophet in the worship of the Antichrist to a point where the false prophet actually makes a bid for the kingdom. Now, what we're going to discover in Revelation chapter number 17 is that when the false prophet makes a bid for the for the ruling of the kingdom in, in, a, in a coup attempt to replace the Antichrist, is that the false prophet will be exposed by the deception that he has caused the people to believe by the Antichrist. He will expose that false prophet and they will rip the religion to its core. They will discover it. It'll be naked before the people and they will burn it to the ground as revealed in Revelation 17. But in the destruction that comes upon the religious sector of this kingdom, it, it will hinder and hurt the secular sector, and so that literally this kingdom has devoured itself. In Revelation chapter number 18, the secular kingdom falls because, Revelation 17, the, the religious kingdom falls. And thus, the only thing that they have left to be able to do is to make war with the saints. And so, Armageddon will take place in Revelation chapter 19. 
uh, some things to look forward to, but we're not out of the woods of the devastations that God has planned in the last seven bowls that will be poured out. That is the wrath of God, which is coming up very soon. So I hope that Revelation 13 was good. It was a character chapter. You get to meet the Antichrist in person and discover the nature of his of his ways. You get to meet the false prophet who's going to deceive the world into following the Antichrist. You understand that these two guys are in operation for the period of their seven years and that they will be working very closely with the dragon to, to rule the world. And so, welcome to Revelation 13. Amen. Father, we're grateful. We ask thy blessing upon us as we consider these truths today, these characters that we will see in, in the future, Lord, that the world will be deceived by pray that you will give us a heart to be able to communicate to those in our in our modern day so that they would not be taken by surprise but lord that they could surrender their heart to jesus and live we thank you for this moment in jesus name and for sake amen may god bless you keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and i'll catch you tomorrow for wisdom wednesday when we get into proverbs chapter number four and keep going there so till then take care